0: Hey guys, welcome into another episode here of Dramatic Comedy Podcast. We're releasing another episode, finally. Finally. I've been pretty good about doing this once a week. I mean, this is like the third or fourth Saturday in a row I've released one. This is going to be another one like last time where I actually released a former conversation I had. Uh, Last week I released one with Austin Muller. This. Today's episode is an episode I had recorded with Bailey Carter uh, a little under two years ago. Um, I'll introduce him a little bit more and kind of give you more heads up about what that conversation consists of. And uh, I'll also kind of go over again a little more in detail why we're releasing older episodes uh, for the time being with my work schedule and everything else. I'm also going to go over a couple of comedy uh, stand-up comedy things uh, information there's a show coming up uh, a week from this Saturday so if you're listening to this it's probably Saturday uh, May 1st Saturday May 8th is the comedy show that I'll be talking about so um, yeah let's uh cut the intro music and I'll give you guys a little bit of a heads up as far as you know, why we're releasing old episodes, go over some of the comedy dates, and then I'll introduce my conversation with the great Bailey Carter. All right, here we go. So, welcome in, uh, another episode here of Dramatic Comedy Podcast. Um, So let's talk, first off, why I'm releasing... Older episodes currently right now. Well, for one thing, the more consistent I've been with this podcast, the more it's grown and I don't want to lose the momentum I've gained over the last several weeks of having a weekly episode. And so what I've done is I've gone back to kind of older episodes um, and I wanted to release those. So as you guys know, several weeks ago, I had gotten let go from my job and I told you that I would land a better one. Well, I did. I work for the hospitals with, with Intermountain healthcare, healthcare as a courier, and I love to drive, and I, I don't mind the long-distance driving, so it was kind of a perfect fit, and it actually is paying me a little bit more than what I was making uh, at the bank. So, uh, again, I tripped and fell upward somehow. I can't say, I, I don't want to sound cocky, because by no means did I anticipate really landing this kind of job. I've I've had my eye on this job for a while and it just it happened to work out. But being new in the bottom guy in the totem pole, they kind of throw you into whatever shift that no one wants. So currently, just so you guys are aware, my shift is uh, 5 p.m. to 1.30 a.m., driving back and forth between St. George and Cove Fort, which one way is about 125 miles with stops in between and typically it should only be you know four or five days a week i do that because of how far behind they are and the overtime that's available uh my next day off is not till saturday may 8th so it's just boom 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 straight and so during the daytime people i normally interview they're either at work or i'm sleeping Because I don't get home till probably two in the morning, then I'm up to take my kids to school. And so I try and nap when my 18 month old naps, which he's napping right now. I should probably be asleep, otherwise, gonna be so tired tonight. But uh, I wanted to just get this introduction done. So, um, May 8th, there is a comedy show here in town. Um, For any of you listening that are familiar with kind of the history, stand up in St. George, you know, uh, a few episodes ago, a few months ago, I recorded an episode, kind of the history of it. Um, there's been really three shows in my mind that stand out that I think had people laughing the hardest. And all three of these shows took place at the office lounge. The first one that comes to mind was, um, Andy Gold, Andy Gold's a comedian from Salt Lake. He's a recovering addict. He came down, performed in the office lounge. He had people in hysterics for the better part of 45 minutes to an hour. I can't remember how long he did. And it was amazing. The second show that comes to mind was a show in June of 2019. It was Father's Day weekend. And it was the Comedy Killers. Comedy Killers was this comedy trio Uh, Three stand-ups, they'd take turns, go up, do 20 minutes each or so. Uh, That show consisted of Courtney Osborne, Brandon Henderson, and uh, Pete Jr. And that was a night to remember because there wasn't a lot of tickets sold. The, The Office Lounge holds about 80 to 90 people. Three hours before the show, only 30 tickets had sold. And then people started to file in, and they took that small group, and it grew and by the end of the show, people were just howling with laughter. And then the third show that stands out to me was Rodney Norman, and that was on July 20th, 2019. That show is the hardest laughs, I think, that has hit St. George, especially in the smaller you know, comedy scene that we have here. I'm not talking about shows that like Tuacon when Jay Leno or Brian Regan comes in. I'm talking about In the Office Lounge – Rodney Norman had people wiping tears from their face the entire time he was up. Now, why do I bring those shows up? Well, I mentioned two names in that sequence that are going to be performing on Saturday, May 8th. First one that we'll talk about is Rodney Norman. He's hosting the show. If you've never seen Rodney Norman live... If you ever get a chance to see Rodney Norman, whatever the dollar amount the ticket is, pay it, even if you can't afford it, because he is worth every penny. The other one is Pete Jr., uh, Pete Valentine. I've known Pete for a while. I got to know him at the Salt Lake open mic scene at Wise Guys. He had been in the game for a bit, and we would bounce jokes off of each other waiting, and... Pete closed the night of the uh, comedy killers here in June of 2019, a show that I hosted for him. And he had the office lounge in hysterics. And then along with Pete coming down is Ryan Irwin, which you might recognize from the the drag bar comedy scene. Um, he's coming down. He's hilarious. I've, I've never met Ryan. I've never worked with him, but I've watched some of his stuff and he's hilarious. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be invited to be on this show, and I'm, I'm getting an eight-minute spot. I think they said seven or eight minutes to to open. So on the day that night will be Rodney Norman, myself, Ryan Irwin, and Pete Jr., or Pete Davids. I don't know what he likes to go by. That's going to be worth your money to go. The link to that show is in my bio on Instagram. Um, if you have any questions, reach out to me. But that's also going to be at the Electric Theater, and it's going. it starts at 8 p.m., and it will be a night that is worth the money. You will laugh. All right, so that's a six-minute waste of time there. Let's get into the conversation that I'm going to play for you today. It's with Bailey Carter, like I said in the intro. He and I spoke. Uh, this conversation was recorded in 2019, I think in August or September, something like that. Bailey is a performer. He's a fantastic singer. He's been in a few musicals, and we talk about how he's incorporated, you know, some of his own life drama into uh, to his singing and performance. And then we also talk about how his sense of humor and his, his ability to laugh at himself if he makes, messes up or something to kind of just keep the show going and, and, and how it's helped him overcome some nerves in, in his performance. So uh, Bailey's a, a, a champ. He was the winner of the, what I would call prestigious Dixie or uh, Dixie's Got Talent, which wonder what they're going to call that now that we can't say Dixie. Uh, He won, I believe in 2000. Bailey, when did you win that? We talk about it on here. I think it's 2016 or 17, something like that. Um, And he's, he's just making a name for himself. He's a great guy. So I hope you enjoy this conversation I have with Bailey and we can talk about the uh, parallels between stand-up and, and music and it's a good conversation. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here is the great Bailey Carter. I found the voice what was the music camp here, And
1: right? uh, So it's called Vocalize You okay. and it's like this huge... Like, they have each year, and um, they have three people that are in charge of it, and they work with people like... They worked with Tupac back in the day. They worked with, like, Christina Aguilera and everybody, and they they represent all these people. This was no small deal. No, it was about three grand (laughs) to go to.
0: (laughs) Worth every penny, I think. Oh,
1: my gosh. Was it? I actually made some huge connections, and I might, in the next few years, move (laughs) over there and pursue, like, background vocals for now.
0: That'd be sweet, though.
1: Because I met a guy that was in... He was in the uh, My Heart Will Go On uh-huh. from... You know, Celine. Yeah, Celine. He was like... He did the high harmony. Oh, did he? And, yeah, he can like switch his falsetto. And then he was also in I Want to Dance with Somebody. He's the one that did the dance. That's oh, his man. voice. That's his voice. <laughs> so then... And he actually... We got to sing it with him on... And he was... Playing, yeah.
0: Was there a lot of people there? There
1: was about 80. Not a ton of people know so, about it.
0: But. Well, that's been, like... Sometimes you go to, like these big camps or something, and there's like so many hundreds of people that you're. there almost just taking notes. But like if there's only eighty people, there, that's gonna be way more personal. Oh, it was so good. And
1: everybody was so humble. Like everybody that I would have thought would be like, you know, you're. We were in on top in at a university, uh-huh. private university, on top of a mountain in, in like Beverly Hills. Really. So I was thinking I like, would get up <laughs> there, and I'd, they'd be like, "Okay, you guys know you know your place, know our place, but literally." Everybody, even to the top, was all about, like, the love and everything. And that's... They were just about artist development, and that's where they do it.
0: That's freaking awesome. Like, that's... that's the coolest thing I've ever been to. Is that the first, like, singing lesson or Camp you've ever been to? Or no? I went to, like... A, or, like, did you go to, like, basic ones?
1: The non, like... I would say a non, like, ghetto-ish one. Like, professional. First yeah, professional okay. one. I go into one that here in, like, St. George, but it was by, like, a... uh private little like a company that's here okay but it was mainly like learning like little dances and songs and stuff like that but,
0: so uh, were you ever in plays or anything
1: in like high school yeah
0: were you where were you in
1: i was in so i was see okay so like my first one it was just <clears throat> kind of like a for fun thing mm-hmm. in like ninth and tenth grade and it was uh with princess the oh my gosh what it called? <laughs> third 12th dancing princesses okay and I played, like, this dude. His name is Marvin Von Kindergarten. Okay. And he's this... this every, every one of the princes and princesses has, like, an emotion. Or, like, one emotion that they just portray the entire time. Okay. And I was, like, the happy one with another girl. <laughs> and, then, and then I was in Tarzan when I first got here. That's when I first started getting into it. And I did Tarzan. I played uh, Jane's dad, the professor Porter though.
0: Where'd you do that down here? The,
1: oh, at Dixie High. Oh, okay. And then I after that, I did Children of Eden, which I played Noah... I don't know if you've ever seen that one. I never have. That one's good. And then I did Mary Poppins for my last one. I was Mr. Banks.
0: Were you really? I was. Oh, it was I was that was coolest. fun. Oh. That's like an iconic role. It
1: was so it was so hard for me too. Was just it? as like, yeah. But like, just between like you and me too, this one's like I had like a lot of stepdads in the past that have been like very abusive so I knew like how to like be rude and mean on stage so no. you could
0: like dig into a deep place. So. so I was like
1: every time I'd go on yeah, there was a yelling scene I'd always have to get into it and I'd yeah okay. but that one was awesome and we got to work with bike professionals uh-huh. there was four the top four parts the Mary Poppins Mrs. Banks Bert, and Mr. Banks yeah wow we got he, Mr. Saxton, our teacher, brought in his past students, and they like, two of them have gone on to be Broadway, like Alphaba, and um, Rance was in. He lives in New York. He's a, a vocal coach in New York right now. Jeez. and the so, other two are that's in, like no small
0: feat. Uh-huh. That's crazy. Um, when did you start like singing, or have you always just liked it?
1: Um, I think that I started singing when I was about. I've always liked music. I'm not going to say, I started singing maybe in like eighth grade. Okay. But I always thought in that time in your life where I would like, grew up, everybody was like all like, like, no, that's for sissies. Like, no, I would never do that. Yeah. You know? and then But then I found it because I had to take an art credit. Uh-huh. And then I met the most amazing people. Did you? There, and I just fell yeah. it. I had to take
0: an art credit in high school. So I like choir and stuff, but I never had to like perform in the concert choir. I showed up enough to get the grade and like that was it. Like, there's two types of people. There's people who will sing and like to sing and perform, and then there's people like me who sing in the car alone when there's no one for miles. And so it's like, <laughs> I love music, and I, I go to music a lot for a lot of emotions. I have certain things I go to, but like to do what you do and get up and sing in front of people or like be in a play is lost on me, how you guys have the balls to do that.
1: It's honest, I don't know, it, it freaks me out every time I get out there, but then, like, the energy of the audience uh-huh. just is, like, slaps me in the face, and I'm just, like, I'm the best. And then Let's you're, like, then you're in.
0: Then you're in the moment Well, it's, like, so when I go on stage to do comedy, it's the same thing. Like, I can't eat two hours before I go on stage because my nerves are just, they will liquefy anything that I eat. It's awful. Yes. But, like, the second I go on stage and I get that first sentence out, or if I get that first whatever, That big laugh of the crowd, then it's like, okay, I'm in charge of this whole room. No, Like, this is my stage for the next 12 minutes, and no one stands a chance. But there's other times where you can't, like, at least in my, with Mm. what I do, and I don't know if it's like this was if you're kind of lost in the moment, or uh, the crowd's like not as engaged, and then it's like the worst 10 minutes ever, because I struggle to like, not care. Some people can get up and be like, I don't care if the crowd's quiet, I'm just gonna go have fun. That's not me yet. I'd like to get to that point, but Yeah.
1: So. I'm on a little bit on that one, and this is gonna sound really cocky, but it's not good. it's just a literal fact. That every time I get on, I don't I just I don't know, I feel like I was given a very good gift from like You were when I was born. So like whenever I'd go up to sing anywhere, no matter how like nervous I was, like when I started singing everybody either goes like really quiet because they were talking or yeah. they start like, they start like cheering. So uh, yeah. I've never, never had that moment where they would have been like quiet because of like being awkward. And I just become this whole other person. That's like, you know.
0: that's how powerful music is though. It's like, you could just be at a restaurant and there could be someone with a guitar or something. If they're playing good enough, the people will stop and listen no matter what. Like that's, with comedy, you almost have to win them over, and you have about forty-five seconds to do it.
1: You do what you do is so much. I applaud you like as see, well but, because I have stuff I just have to memorize. Yeah, you like guess, like a little bit, but sometimes <laughs> you like just on the spot, you're just like oh there yeah. Go. There's you go. have something. to react
0: if someone says something to you or something like. But like, see, to me, it's different. So there's an old stigma that you're either born a comedian or you're not. So I don't want to say I am. I've never been scared of public speaking, like speaking in church or whatever, or giving a speech. Like, I took public speaking in a college, and I was fine. Yeah. Speaking in front of a crowd, like, the bigger the crowd, the more relaxed I am. If I'm talking to, like, four people, I'm more uncomfortable. I'm more uncomfortable into- talking to you one-on-one than I am a room full of 90 strangers. And I know you. I've known you for two years. Yeah. So there's something not quite wired right up here.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> I actually I agree with that. Auditions suck unless they're in front of a huge crowd. Like, Drixie's yeah. Got Talent when I did that. Uh-huh. I, I uh, actually like, won in 2017, I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, no. But we auditioned for for like four people the first uh-huh. time, and then the second audition was an open Everybody Watches. I did the second one so much better. Yeah. And I just, it's just so, because you feel like you have to look at them but you can portray to the audience everything. But so
0: on the last one, it's yeah. like twelve hundred people in the auditorium, it is. right? It
1: was full that night. I bet
0: that's amazing.
1: Yeah. Well, because I'm an I'm an empath as well, so I feel like others' emotions like a lot okay. of time or They're they're really in tune. I guess I don't feel their exact, but I'm really in tune with others' emotions, okay. and I like have like trained myself to like yeah. feel it. So when I'm out there and they're all there just to see a good show, they're yeah. not there to critic or anything. Then it's all like twelve hundred people just whoa. Yeah. Like other, and I was like. <laughs> okay. So let's... as soon
0: as you walked on stage, you're like, "This is mine." Yeah, and
1: I to the end, I was still surprised. I wanted to be honest, because there's many good people. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, and I've never been like so. I auditioned for it last year with comedy, yeah. and there was like six judges, and I don't even know if the mic was turned on, but it was that like in the cafeteria or whatever they'd set up like six chairs behind a table. And there's like five people in the back wall behind me, and then like six judges who are trained not to show emotion, because I don't think they want to give false hope to someone who thinks they should like. So I'm telling jokes to six people who are trained to look at you straight faced, and I knew like four seconds, and I'm like, this, I'm screwed. Like there's no way. So well, it's it it is though because, like. They gave me the 90 seconds or the two minutes or whatever. It's up to me to not care about that moment. So maybe sometime down the line I'll re-audition. But, like, I watched the other four people who were all singers, and I would have put all four of them in front of me because they all, they could perform in that moment and they didn't care. I didn't have the mental stigma to just be like, I can't tell jokes to six people at eight in the morning. (laughs)
1: Like, <laughs> who aren't even like giving a chance? No,
0: like just... I was just kind of like I walked out of there. We had to fly to Virginia that day. Like I made sure I was the very first audition to go because we were f- driving to Vegas and flying to Virginia that day. And I like the rest of the drive, I was just like, "There's not a chance." Oh. And before we landed in Virginia, I had an email saying, "Thanks, but you didn't make it to the next round." And I, I wasn't surprised. But no. moments like that actually make me more motivated and stronger for the next performance that I have. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. That was November 17th or whatever last year. The next time I got on stage was December 22nd. Mm -hmm. And I was on, like, I went on that. I got on stage without any fear. Like, I knew I had it, like, just the anger and the disappointment from there was just ready to flood out into whatever. And that night destroyed. And so, I don't know. As bad as a, a sucky performance is, that's how good I feel like the next performance would be. Oh, yeah. But, I tried
1: out two times, actually, as well. Did you? I did the first time I got two like, the callbacks. But then when I got to the callbacks, I was, like, I was I was literally so scared. I don't know what okay. I was. I was in the middle of, like, a mental health, you know, that All time in right. my life. But, like, it was so weird. I was just, like, that was such a weird performance. It was <laughs> not fun, but I was, like, I just didn't do. I literally just stood there and, like, okay. shook while I was singing. Mm-hmm. So then I think they were, like, too nervous to give it to me because they were, like, he sounds good, but he's, like... Yeah. I was like, I need shaking, yeah. You know, but
0: it sucks it's that so audiences can see truth better than we can feel it. Oh, like honestly, like they know what you're feeling before you really do. Like so, if you're having fun on stage, it's fine. But if you're shaking like that, they know you're miserable inside, I and, it's, stupid and it makes them too. uncomfortable too. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. Can you try out again, or once you've won, that's mm-hmm. it. no.
1: So you can get you can get second place, okay, and then try out two years later. But first, you're just good yeah. forever but
0: <laughs> what was the grand prize
1: so mine was 500 and a chance to perform at the um scholarship opportunity that year for the needs-based scholarship oh, I got yes. to perform at that um the 500 and then just like publicity and all that and then they're gonna they, be like put me in like the for the rest of like Dixie's Got Talent then just they're gonna like put past winners and like certain things mm-hmm. and and other performances yeah. that year like some of, a lot of them actually didn't get to happen that year because a lot of yeah. things got canceled. But, um, like they what they do now, <laughs> the year after me, like I don't blame them for this. They didn't have it, but the year after me, twenty eighteen they started sending them to America's Got Talent. Oh. And they prayed for the entire thing. And I was like,
0: oh, are you kidding me? I was so oh. sad. I was like,
1: whoa. But that's okay. It's <laughs> I have no hard feelings toward it now, but I was no, like,
0: that would have been so sick. So when you auditioned for The Voice a few months ago, how intense is that
1: audition? That one.
0: Because I followed it on Ooh. Instagram. I was kind of following you throughout the day on Instagram because I've always been curious because on TV you only see, you see after people get to a certain point, but... I don't know how many people you had to sing in front of. Like, if there's people watching you audition, like, how does that all work?
1: Yeah, so we started off the day. We started off the day, and we had to get there like five in the morning. So
0: you drove basically like from here straight to the audition, didn't you? No, no, it was okay. it was the night before. Luckily, okay. okay. that's good. Oh my gosh, I would have died. No, it was <laughs> it was a
1: twelve-hour drive um, from here to because we got lost. My bad. But Google Maps actually. <laughs> yeah. But actually no
0: Apple maps. Google well but those maps aren't as great as our you No. Know,
1: anyway. And we were going through like all these like mountains and you, if you turn one turn, it takes you from either instead of this way, it'll take you around and go back. Yeah. So we were going back and I was like, Why does it keep going two <laughs> like two hours and twenty minutes? Two hours and twenty one minutes, you know. Yeah. But then we got there and we slept there that night and then we went to this really good ramen place. That was good. So yeah. Um, but yes so that, that reminded me of that and then the next day though we, we lined up at 5 in the morning oh jeez and there was at least we got there at 5 and there was at least like 60 people in line already so we were like standing in there and then you just kind of talk to people until like Eight o'clock.
0: So you're in line for like three hours. You are. Oh, jeez.
1: And you're trying not to talk, but there's like some people that are like showing off their voices to, to like strike fear, you know. I would
0: have a middle finger to them so quick. <laughs> I'm like, dudes, don't audition to me. I don't care how good you are.
1: Yeah, it was intense. Yeah. A lot of people did get pissed. Like behind me, they were just like, they were just like freaking. I yeah. Can't even. So then, but it was cool to see. We, we like, met some people. And then we went in and basically you like go and you turn in your paper and they give you like a wristband. And you kind of, you kind of feel like you're one, you feel like you're like, instead of one in a million, you feel like you're a million in a million. <laughs> like the entire time up until like the audition. But then it also is like, okay, there's this many people. I got to get my game face on because uh-huh. I have this, you know, and, which I think they like to do because they like to see you confident when you get in there. Like that's basically a story that you tell when you get in there. Yeah. So I was feeling pretty stoked. I felt pretty good in like a little suit that I have and I had a fun little story you know I was gonna share like by, like like supposed to. And so I got in there and we got in this big room and then they said like okay lines one through twelve start lining up and then they went to the rooms and then I was in like thirty, line wow. thirty. So it was like one one through twelve, twelve through twenty four, twenty four through thirty six and I was like, Okay so we line up, and then we line up again, and then we line up one more time, jeez. <laughs> oh, and then we go into a room. So then it goes from, like, goes from like, 12 in a line to, like, 8 in a line, and yeah. they split you up into two others, and they mix and mingle, because you guys have already known each other. They want it to be kind of oh, confusing. Yeah. So then we went in there, and... There was, like, seats that were, like, a triangle. So, like, so you're the guy. Mm-hmm. Here is 12 people just, like, sitting like this. And then I would stand, like, right here. And then you just sing for them. You have a cappella, You have a minute 30, mm-hmm. I think. Or Maybe a minute, that one. And you just wow sing your heart out. and Ooh, Whatever happens, happens. Yep, and then she looks at you. Like, mine is a girl. And she looked at him, yep. and then she just stopped for a second, and then she, like, tapped a little on her keyboard, and then she looked up she said, Okay, so number six and number 12, you guys are staying. The rest of you are, Wow. You guys are just good like to go. that. Yeah, that fast.
0: Uh, well, and good then, for you for having uh, the patience to wait in the line because the nerves alone, I would have been like, I can't do this. Yeah, like, it was, was cool because I was with the guy who
1: did it before. Yeah. And he got to the second round. I think there's three rounds and then the judges. In the second round, you have to have at least eight songs ready in like two days Yeah, um, for, to sing for them. And then the third round after that, is like when they interview you and ask you for like the story and stuff. And then that next round is legit. So but. going off of like the
0: people who are trying to show off their voice in line. So in Salt Lake, when I was first starting out, you go to the open mics. The open mics in Salt Lake, they're almost one every night. But the big ones on Wednesday night in at Wise Guys downtown. And the show wouldn't start until 7.30, but I would get there at 5.30, and I'd still be like the fifth one in line because the line to get up, they only take like the first 30 sign-ups because mm. you get three minutes on stage, plus they need room for any of the, like, the actual comics who have actually cut their teeth in the business to just drop in, and they can do however long they want, basically. Mm. But while you're in line waiting, you had people who were trying to show off how funny they are by like just almost making fun of the other comics or whatever like and i kind of fell into that trap of feeling okay i have to match these guys and so and then anytime i would kind of run my mouth off or feel cocky i would do horrible because i just when you do that you get all these comedians who comedians like (laughs) we don't always cheer for the success of other comedians (laughs) We're like, okay. I hope you do just bad enough for me to look awesome. It's kind of the. I've gotten past that. Like, if I'm going up after someone, I want them to be as funny as possible. Like, I, I, I generally have a good art. There's still a few people are. I'm like, I hope you bomb hard. So like, by acting like a douche, by the time I got up there, open mics are generally like 30 comedians and maybe like 10 to 20 civilians, and so you're trying to play to a bunch of room of people who already don't like you because they're in competition for you. And so I kind of fell into this, like, hole of trying to be cocky, and I kind of lost sense of myself and what I was trying to do. Mm -hmm. And so when I moved down here to St. George, there wasn't any, like, comedy scene. It was easy to kind of get away from that because I stopped doing stand-up completely for year and a half almost until I started doing it at Even Stevens and oh, then I jumped good. back into it and I saw your grandma do it. Just this, this little old lady go up and tell her short jokes and it was hilarious and after that I was like okay I don't want to do anything but love people who are willing to do this in a town that doesn't have comedy and after that I started just wanting people to do better That's and I cool. stopped. Like so like when you came to my show a few months ago I don't know if you know like I was kind of in and out of the room a lot I don't like talking to anyone before I go on stage. Like I, I have a process where I have a mix that I listen to for like an hour before, and I'm walking around just kind of getting in the right zone, and then I don't want to talk to a single soul before I go up. It's not always possible, but like mm-hmm. I have this process I've developed, so by the time I do go on stage, it's almost like I'm in this meditated state where I know exactly almost word for word what I'm going to do, and I have backups in case it goes awry. So.
1: that actually makes sense because that we actually got taught so like with the VU they, the main thing was they had four they had twelve master classes and you could choose four out of the actually there was like sixteen, out of the master classes you could choose four yeah. with what are most attuned to you and the one that I I liked the most besides background vocals but, <laughs> is the it was called ignite and it was the mental side of performance okay and that makes so much sense because one day we just planned out like what do you do two days one day. Um, mm-hmm. 12 hours, 6 hours, 4 hours, 2 hours, 1 hour, 1 minute, 1 second, you know, like, yeah. before. So it makes sense that you do that, because your mind is so used to that that it's like, oh, it is It's performance mode. I yeah, so, so, I, makes I, have, so much sense.
0: I have a mix on my Spotify that's called No Motivation for Logic, or No Logic for This Motivation, because it's just a mix of the most random songs, but for some reason, those songs put me in almost like in a comical state of mind, and... Like, Kristen, if I have a show that starts at 7.30, she knows I'm getting to the show at 5.30. And I'll sit in the lobby and just zone everything out, and then I'll walk around the building, like, three times. Like, it's almost... um, Not repetitive, what's the word? It's almost like this anal, retentive thing that I have to do before every time. And I was like that at Even Stevens, too. Like, it's just the psychological thing that I have to do, and if I can't do it, it's not going to go well. So... Mm -hmm. Do you have, like, songs or anything you listen to get you motivated or, like, practice songs?
1: Oh, my gosh. That, um...
0: Or does it depend on your mood?
1: It, yeah, it just depends on the mood. That one, I... Wow. My my favorite song that gets me, like, super pumped is the one I sing most. And I'm wanting to get into, like, other genres now. But, like, Feeling Good by Michael Buble. Really? I just love that song so much. There you go. But, like, basically any song that is, like, very... Not theater, but theatrical.
0: Uh-huh, okay.
1: Like, just songs that are, like, really big. And, like, the, the singer's just, like, going ham, like Josh Groban does. And uh-huh. like There's a song called California Dreamin' by Sia, and she just goes crazy. Yeah. And I listened to it full blast before because it gets me all pumped. Yeah. But then I actually can't, like, listen to music before. Like, I have to... I like, I'm the opposite of you actually. I like I need to talk to people before yeah, and get pumped. And yeah. I say like positive affirmations and everything before like, I go on and I'm always like and I always say it with somebody too like we both look at a phone. Okay. And that's what I did a lot. I was actually like the motivation master <laughs> of freaking the show cuz I'd need that state background the entire time, you know. Yeah. Cuz we were in almost every song. But so then I would help the people that are there like say affirmations and they would get on and it helped a lot of them. So, so.
0: Kristen actually taught me about Affirmations. When we so first started talking, like, I, I never really paid much attention to them. And then I'll go into a private bathroom somewhere, and I have my own affirmations that I do in the mirror, and then, like, the stretches, and then, like, this prayer, like, this, like, just have, like, a prayer. And I have to, like, kind of sit in this mode of just silence. And then there's this moment where it's like, I'm ready. and Once I'm in that spot, I'm good to go. And I... Usually, if the show's starting at 7.30, at 7.15, I'm in a private bathroom somewhere just kind of doing that process. And then there's that click moment. It's like, all right, I own this. Let's do it. But it takes those affirmations to kind of get going. Like, it's those are powerful.
1: Yeah, those. that's what's helped me a ton. Affirmations has probably been my favorite thing. That's what helped me lose weight. That's what helped me be confident. And this just helped me a ton.
0: You are, like, way more confident than when I first met you. Yeah. You were, like, this... You came off kind of timid at first and then like gradually you just kept getting more confident. Now I'm like, "There's Bailey. I need to like work up my composition to talk to him." Oh my goodness. <laughs> so it's like it's it's been cool it's been, to watch. So it's
1: been yeah, it's been it's been really good.
0: So uh, like when you were in Mary Poppins, that's one thing you brought up that I wanted to talk yes. about. Like you took like your own experiences and were able to kind of take the emotion at and put it in. Do you do that with a lot of your performances ever? Like are you able to take Good or bad of past experiences and incorporate them into what you do?
1: Yes. It used to be... So, I, I've always done that, but it used to be a lot worse uh-huh. when I well, didn't it, have a good feel of myself.
0: Well, it can be a dangerous road. Oh, my like, gosh. Yeah. Going down painful memories can be powerful, but there's like a way to do it where it doesn't put you back in that same state of mind. Yeah. And so, I just... I was curious about
1: that. Yeah, it's it's intense, but now it's like a lot easier. Because like, I actually am just getting done with my first song, my first original song. I'm, that I'm you wrote? I'm writing it right now. Good. Yeah. And it's, I'm like two lines away, just trying to get the perfect to yeah. me. And then I've been working with my friend Jake Parkinson and his wife, um, Caitlin Parkinson. And they, they've been helping me play the guitar. And yeah, it's a duet. It's called Safe. Cool. It's going to come out hopefully in the next... I just need to record it after. But have you performed it
0: in front mm. of anyone yet?
1: Besides those two, no. Okay. I've saying well, I've shown a few people. Yeah. Um but That's like cool. just show them the lyrics and explain the song a little bit. But it's basically, yeah, just okay. I, I always do that kind of stuff. Though.
0: Do you find that like it's kind of healing to get that out then in song? Is that yeah. Make sense? Is it? Yeah. Okay.
1: yeah, first it's I'm actually tr- I'm actually have like three or four more ideas. I'm trying to come out with an album. Right. But it's it's I'm very much a perfectionist when it comes All to right. music like when I hear okay. people it's hard for me I feel like I'd be a very good judge like okay I feel like I'd be a good judge listening but sharing what I what I think is yeah. a lot harder for me but I feel like I've, 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 I've I think my grandma does a good well, well too but I can like hear and I'm a very like strong critic of voices uh-huh. so I like to share what's like good but I not enough knowledge I don't have enough knowledge in music theory yet okay to say how to help the the not so good. That makes sense. No, it makes total sense. Yeah. So,
0: like from from the comedy standpoint, I'm very much a perfectionist in how every joke is worded and timed. And so, uh, if I stutter through a thing, it might still get a laugh, but in my mind, like it would have laughed a lot harder had I not stuttered. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I watch another comedian go on, if I know the person. I'm very critical on, okay, are they trying to be a different comedian? Are they trying to go on and be Dave Chappelle or Brian Regan? Are they trying to be that person? Or are they coming out of – have they found a way to be themselves yet? That's still something I'm working on. But for some reason, I find myself being able to kind of look at someone and be like, okay, are they just telling hack jokes, trying to tell jokes, or telling jokes? Or is this something coming from inside of them that – they have found a way to put their voice on what they're saying. Yeah. Because there's only so many topics that everyone's been able to joke about. What makes it unique is what you can do. Just like millions of people have played the role of the of the dad in Mary Poppins. But you were able to bring your own personal experiences, put your own spin on it, which was what makes it special to you. So that's something that I look for, not just in comedy, but all performances. If I go see Willy Wonka, I don't want to see someone trying to be Johnny Depp or the other guy who did the original one, I want to see someone's own spin on it. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: so that's, like, the fact that you said you brought that in, like, I love seeing that. So what you said about judging people, and you, it's almost like looking at an x-ray. For, like, if you see someone singing a song, you don't see what, like, the rest of us see. You're looking at, I don't know, technique or voice or emotion coming out of it. When I see someone tell a joke on stage... I don't see, like, the joke. I kind of see the structure of it and how they're performing, it, yeah. if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, well, it helps, um, it helps a lot on, like, emotion, too. Like, I believe that if you're not into the song emotionally, like, yes, it can be incredible, but, like, there's something about, like, if you if you think of Adele, who never moves yeah. in, like, almost any of her performances. Yeah. Yeah, it's some of the most amazing shows you've ever been in. Uh-huh. Like, it's a, in order to do that, or it just depends on, like, who they are, but just somebody that is singing songs like Adele's how she's into it that much you can tell that she's just so that's why I like to sing listen to songs that are so big yeah it's like blown the heck away but it's hard when when I'm like when I'm I'm like watching somebody and they are like struggling like a little bit with something and even to like because there's because the nerves do get to you uh-huh. and you lose that emotion because you're into your own head yeah so it's just hard to see because sometimes I'm like if they felt the emotion um, which is a lot harder than it is sometimes then I feel like I know that it would help. You know what I mean? Because then you would be like, oh, I'm singing this to portray this motion or to connect with others. Instead of it being like, oh, uh, Patricia is looking at me and she Uh, just has this. Okay, yeah. (laughs) So I don't know where Patricia came from. But yeah.
0: So when you're... Well, okay. So do you know who Norm MacDonald is? Uh, He used to be like the news update guy on Saturday Night Live. Uh he's, he's a stand-up, but he's also, he has his own Netflix special or his Netflix show. You'd probably recognize him if you saw him or if you heard his voice. Um, oh. Did you see Dr. Dolittle with Eddie Murphy? Yes. He's the voice of the dog that calls him a bonehead a lot, like that he almost oh. hits with the car. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, okay, so you recognize the voice. don't Okay, the voice, yeah. He has never once taken the mic out of the stand when telling jokes. He's nice. too nervous. His hands stay in his pockets, but it works for him because that's him. He's just himself, he can keep his hands in his pockets and just kind of... He just, that works for him. Other comedians, it has to be a spectacle. The mic's out. They're using the mic as like a tool like. But he's him, which is what I see with Adele. She doesn't necessarily take the mic out. She can just stand and she can just be her in one spot. And it touches everyone because of how much power she has behind what she's singing and how she does it. So it's, I I like to see people who are genuine, like... The best part of them comes out during a performance.
1: Yeah, and you can tell who's like comfortable with their own voice too. Cause yeah. another huge thing is just people finding their own voice. Like I it took me, it took me so well not even my own voice, but my own performance. Cause mm-hmm. I've always thought I was an awkward dancer. Like when I was a lot more heavy, it was harder mm-hmm. to move. Yeah. But now I'm getting a lot better moving. But I've always been like, I look like an idiot, you know, on stage <laughs> all the time. and I would tell myself that. But now at the Vocalise U. It was the first time I've ever, ever, ever felt that confident. And I was just going ham. I don't care what I was doing yeah. with my arms. I was, like, being Bailey. And, and um, I thought it was really cool because I'm, I'm just finding more things that that help my performances. Mm-hmm. And, like, I like to make people laugh while I perform. Like, I've learned some how to do some voices, you know, kind of. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's so. So it's just fun to get to know yourself.
0: Confidence is incredible. And the more you can be yourself, the easier it is to be confident. But it's learning how to be yourself and, like portray this i don't care what you guys think like i'm awesome and i'm going to show you like i don't know there's a guy i was listening to talking about how when he goes on stage no matter what the audience's reaction he pretends like he knew that that was going to happen and i don't know how he does it but he's like there's jokes i've told that i thought would get a big laugh and they don't but i stare at them in the face and i start laughing because i want them to think that that's what i wanted them to do and i'm like how do you what? BS. You're that not much confidence out of that because if I tell a joke and it goes silent, it's like a hiccup for me. I'm like, ah, oh, okay, and then you just have to keep going. So, mm. are you able, like, does the spotlight ever throw you off when you're on stage?
1: No, it makes me feel like a bad A to be honest. Does it really? <laughs> it makes me feel well because like I can, I can. It helps when I can't see the audience looking. Yeah, when I can feel slash hear slash maybe see like some people yeah. or if somebody's wearing a bright shirt. If I could see that, then I know there's an audience. I know they're, like, looking at me, but I don't have to, like, look at them. See, and I I
0: love a spotlight that blinds. I don't want to see, like, past the first row. But there's nights where, or, you know, when you're performing and you can see every single person. I hate that. And at those moments, I don't actually look at a single person. I'm skimming, like, the top of their heads and looking at the back wall most of the time. Like the show you came to, I don't know if you noticed. I actually never looked over towards you guys once the whole time I was on stage. I don't know if
1: you noticed that. Were you towards the middle most of the time?
0: I was mostly on the middle and kind of towards the back right. If I know people who are in the crowd, I tend to not look at them. And that's because of my own discomfort. That's That's my own. But if I'm spotlighted and I'm blinded, I don't know where anyone is then it doesn't matter. Like I've said before, I'd rather perform in front of a hundred strangers than four of my best friends. Yeah. But that's just me. Yeah. So. That
1: one, that, that's a little bit like, tough, actually, with music a little bit sometimes, because yeah. if it's a song like Feeling Good yeah. or something that's like more of a, not a selfish, but like more of a song that's about me Yeah. or like I won't give up on, you know, like I yeah. won't give up, you know. But if it's a song like Safe or like other songs that are very like, Geared towards another person, I do like having it in there because yeah. I imagine myself singing to one person. Yeah, so it'd be fun to see a few. But if it's feeling good, if it's just like, if it's just like, I'm feeling good, yeah. you know, to that birds flying, high, then it's. So I guess it just depends. Do you get the crowd like clapping along with any of your songs? I. Like, I've done. I haven't done a ton okay. of like cla- crowd like clapping songs, wh- but wh- I always like try. To, wh- yeah. What? Wh- no good. I was gonna say like I like to make it like. They're at my house, like I'm like okay. this is their like they're in my home. It's right a personal
0: now. experience. Like, yeah. You want to make it.
1: Yeah, like, I kind of like make people not feel uncomfortable, but I'm just like I was like okay, I see you back there. Uh-huh. And I don't know, and I'm like singing to him, and I just like sometimes I, I go, like if I remember it, like even Stevens, and I'm feeling really good. Yeah. Like I was in, i was in there only twice so far, but like, I just like go out and I like went to somebody and I like. Um, during The Way You Look Tonight, I always bring a mom or, like, somebody up yeah. and dance with them on, like, one part of it. So I like to make them feel like they're at my home during the show, and I talk so much to, like, not so much, but I yeah. talk a lot. To that's them.
0: a powerful thing, though, like, making it feel like a more personal, like, a one-on-one. Like, you're in a home, like, it's cool when people can get lost in a performance and realize, like, almost feel like they're not at a show. Like, they're in a moment. Like, that's what's... I don't know. That's one thing I kind of love about concerts or music. Like, I don't mind going to a park and seeing a guy playing his acoustic guitar, fine. But like, when you go to like a big theater or whatever, and you watch a show, like the music can sweep you away oh, yeah. and distract from whatever crappy day you've had or whatever. Like, it's really cool.
1: Comedy. It's funny though. I'm glad you brought. Like, I'm glad that we're like, focusing on yeah. comedy and the aspect of music and comedy because, like, when I do. So I try to do something funny on some of my songs. Mm-hmm. And just laughter mm-hmm. in any like aspect, singing, talking, anything like that, there's just something about it. I don't know what it is.
0: Yeah. Well, it's that's, amazing. On most of the episodes I've recorded on here, I've talked about how powerful laughter can be because it can change a person's entire like perspective and outlook on a day or a moment. Like if you're laughing, you're, it's, it's not possible to laugh when you're angry. You know, Mm -hmm. and it can flip for you in a heartbeat. And so, like, I've always, like, I've touched on some painful or, like, um, embarrassing moments that I've had. And always, like, if I can look back and find a way to laugh at it, it kind of pokes holes at the pain and gives me the control back. And that's, I think, been my draw with with stand-up or with comedy or whatever is everyone goes through hard crap. Like, that's life. Some people it's harder for others, but like anyone who's able to laugh at a certain situation, it gives them the power back if you're able to laugh at something. It's not always easy and sometimes it comes off as like, it's it's another fine line to toe because trying to laugh too much at something and not actually dealing with it is not good. It backfires because pain is going to manifest itself one way or another. It might be today, it might be 10 years from now. Like when my mom died, I didn't deal with it right away. I was in this like denial phase. She died when I was 16 and then one day I was driving home from work when I was 26 and all the emotion just came out anyway. So it's best to deal with it. But now I can look back and I think of some hilarious moments even when my mom was sick. Like she, this is a horrible story that will upset some people, but she used to ask the doctor if she could dress up in like a cocktail waitress, go around offering people chemo like a cocktail waitress at a casino instead of kino she'd be like chemo like that's the kind of crap that i can look back and be like okay that was a crappy time of life but she was still hilarious like she's still so like that takes pain out of the circumstance and think okay those are still funny memories so that's something like i but music can do the same thing if i'm having a bad day i have a list of songs i go listen to i'm sure a lot of people do it's it can alter your mind completely. So, I have wanted to interview on here for the parallels of music, and comedy, and the differences as well, because we're both performers. We both have our thing, and it's different, but it's the same. Yeah, so.
1: When you can even the best performances I've seen, if people ever mess up, I love when they like can laugh, like laugh you at you their own to. self. Like yeah. I did that a ton, at, like even Stevens, because sometimes I like. Um, I'm, like, dancing a little bit, you know, just trying to be, you know, yeah. trying to be all, <clears throat> cool and everything, and I, like, trip or something. And then I forget a line, and I just start, like, laughing at myself. I'm literally, like, on the oh. ground. I'm like, I'm, like, slapping my hand, and then I get back up, and I just get all, like, serious again. But again,
0: like, it's and see, so that's funny. amazing. That's hilarious because, it's, and that, again, it gives you the power back over the crowd. Yeah. Because if they see that you don't care, they can't judge you for it. They're going to be like, oh, this guy's awesome. He's going to have fun no matter what. Like, who doesn't want to hang out with someone who can laugh at themselves? Yeah. like if someone is so serious that they can't hang out with someone who wants to laugh at bad things or at a mistake that's a miserable person so I'm glad you can do that so yeah. cool man well anything
1: else? Uh, thanks for yeah. having me today thanks. I appreciate come back anytime that. man there you go I actually had no idea that I was recording
0: Alright, hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you ever get a chance to go see Bailey perform, follow him on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. He performs all around town. Great singer, easy guy to talk to, uh, not a nicer person in the world. So, hope you enjoyed today's episode. And um, next week, I'll actually have a new episode. Uh, it's uh, something that I've been working on and I want to make sure it it records right. It'll just uh, It'll just be me, but I think it's an important topic to to discuss and and we'll touch on that next week. So anyways, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Thank you for listening and we'll talk at you on the next one.